Hi, welcome to Radiant New Life Ministries podcast. We're so happy you could join us today. If you need to reach us for anything, you can reach us at info at radiantnewlife.com. You also can follow us on Facebook at Radiant New Life. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Username is Radiant New Life. Again, thank you very much for joining us, and our podcast will be starting shortly. Thank you very much for coming to this podcast. This is Eric Schroeder, founder of Radiant New Life Ministries. I'm so happy I could be here with you today and to talk to you about some things that the Lord has put upon my heart. You know, while in prayer, the Lord was uh, speaking to me and talking to me and really just relaying that a a shifting is about to come into our land, uh, something that is going to actually break the foundation of the church. Um, You know, what I mean by that is that, you know, it's it's time that we get out and there's no longer a time of complacency and a time of, of tolerancism, but we need to get out and to do more and to become more and be that church once again. And some of the traditions that we have uh, allowed to set foot deep into our churches, these things are going to be, the Lord is going to break. And we're going to have to allow ourselves to become that church once again. When we look at Acts 2 and and see what happens with the first day in the church and how the church was established through the Holy Spirit, and that they all began to speak in tongues with signs, wonders, and miracles, but they began to interact with each other as one body uh, as they all moved out into the, you know, into that land and, and they, they sold everything they had and they communed with each other and they, they, you know, it shows a sign of unity by that, not saying that we all need to go out and sell our homes and, and, and quit our jobs and do all this kind of stuff. No, but what, what, what the Lord is trying to get across on that when we hear about the Acts 2, the beginning of the church, is that it is time for the church once again to become unified <clears throat> because the church has allowed itself to become more um, broken, I guess you'd say, than rather un- and unified. We've taken stances against each other rather than stands uh, for each other, you know, and and I hear in Florida, I know we had um, Hurricane Michael a few years ago, and and I and I saw something out of that. The way things rise is that you know after the hurricane, the community you know came together and they stood strong with each other, and there were food banks. People were giving out food. People were going to help uh, tarp houses and cut down trees and and do all this kind of stuff to help each other. You know the churches were there doing what they could do. But after a few weeks, you know, and months and, and even a year had gone by, what happened is the churches even went back to their own separation. No longer did the churches help each other. I mean, there's still churches in this town that are still uh, tarped. They still have tarps over the roof. They still have uh, things that need to be fixed, things that need to be get in order, you know. And I'm like, where is the body of Christ? Where is the church? We're supposed to help each other just like they did in Acts 2. You know, we, we don't help, but then we say this is an Acts 2 season. But it's contradictory to each other. It it's, doesn't even make sense. You know, because in Acts 2 season, they were there to help each other out anyway at any cost. And, you know, so while I was in prayer and and talking about it, the Lord was just, like I said, was bringing a shift or bringing a a shaking to the foundations of the church. It's going to get to a point where we as the church are going to have to rely on each other once again. 
period. We're going to have to be unified once again. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Charismatic, uh, Pentecostal Holiness, Catholic. It, it, it won't matter because we will have to become unified again. We will have to stand on principles that are godly when the worldly stuff is, is becoming darker and darker. We as the church have to become brighter and brighter and brighter. There's just no way around that. But while I was in prayer also, like I was saying, that, that the Lord was showing me some things, and he was even saying that we are entering that Joel 2 season. Now, when we look at the first part of Joel 2, it, it talks about devastation. It talks about the enemy is rising up. The army is big and bad, and, and things are happening, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, where it, it talks about blow the trumpets in Zion, Zion, blow the, you know, and we get that song that said, blow the trumpets in Zion, Zion, you know, um, blow the trumpets in your holy kingdom. But these songs were saying, blow a trumpet in Zion. So it's basically telling the leaders, you know, first off, the first time they blew the trumpet, it was a warning that the enemy was coming. And it was a massive, mighty enemy at this time. The second time the Lord was even saying to them, to Joel, says, blow a trumpet in Zion. And it says, consecrate a fast, proclaim the solemn assembly, a solemn assembly, excuse me. And that is on verse 15. It says, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants, have the groom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priest, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace. With the nations jeering at them, why should among the people say, Where is their God? Here, here we got, God is telling Joel to tell them to consecrate themselves, telling them to uh, sanctify Oh, there's a word we do not want to hear anymore is sanctification. You know, we have a church that wants to live according to the world, but Lord forbid we try to be sanctified. Lord forbid we try to walk a holy life or even preach about re repentance these days or time to get into a holiness once again, time to be that peerless, spotless bride once again. Ho oh, ho! And people will start to foam at the mouth and they'll start going after those people saying, oh, they're, they're being legalistic. Well, you know what? It's time that we become a little legalistic and start getting ourselves back into a place where we are holy, back into a place where we are spotless yet again for our bride, because our bride is the is Jesus Christ. You know, it is not a time where we live according to the world, because it says that we're supposed to be separate from the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be a focal point for the world to come to in a time of need. But we have two busies that we're walking around acting like the world. We're out going to the bars and partying, you know, and some say, well, I'm going to the bars to preach the gospel. And I'm like, well, how's that going for you? Because a lot of times you go to the bars and next thing you know, you find yourself drinking with everybody else. You know, we've got believers that have mouths like sailors, you know, that are cussing all over the place and speaking ill against people, cursing people, uh, uh, standing in protest and rebellion. I mean, why would the world system, why would the world itself want to become a believer when we're acting just like the world. 
So I say it is time once again we get ourselves into a place of consecration. We allow God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We allow God to cleanse our garments and put that holy garment back upon us. Let us be the kings, the priests that we have been called to be in this land. You know, <clears throat> we're called not just to be here. We're not, we're not called just to be ambassadors. We've also been called to be kings, queens. We're called to be priests. You know, Jesus even says that he is the high priest. And, and when we look at back in the Old Testament with Moses, there was some, some type and shadows when they were in the land of, um, uh, in the desert and they went to the, the place, I think it was Moriah, and, and, and Moses first struck the rock and water flowed. And then they went back 40 years later because the children of Israel sinned, but they went back 40 years to the same place and God told Moses to speak to the rock. Uh, and what Moses ended up doing was he went into the uh, Ark of the Covenant, grabbed Aaron's rod, which therefore we know that Aaron's rod was a sign of the, the priesthood um, because Aaron was the priest at the time. So Moses took Aaron's rod, which then made Moses a priest. And God told Moses to speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He took the staff because he was mad at the people of Israel. He took the staff and he struck the rock, not once, but twice. And, and that angered God because he disobeyed God. And that was one of the reasons why Moses did not get to go into the promised land was because he disobeyed God. And that was a type and shadow that when he was told to speak to the rock, he was because him as a priest was allowed to speak to the high priest, which we know was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ because he is the, our rock or our high priest. So we have been called priests. So this is a time, you know, when the priest, when you study what happens, if the priest went into the Holy of Holies with any type of sin on his body, he was killed. He dropped dead. He couldn't handle it in the presence of God. He dropped dead. That's why they had bells on the bottoms that if the bell stopped ringing, then they, were, they had a rope around his ankle and they would drag him out. But the priests, even before they went into the Holy Holies, had to consecrate themselves. They had to bathe themselves. They had to wash themselves to get rid of anything. You know, they even did a sacrifice for themselves so that they would go into the Holy of Holies sin-free. Too many times we're walking into the throne room with sin on us. We walk into the throne room with, with, with dirty garments we walk in with unclean spirits. We walk in with all this stuff before the Father, and we, we ask him, why is this not happening in my life? Well, it's probably because we're, we're not coming to him clean and holy. You know, when we're in worship and the Holy Spirit begins to move, that's a time where you know, people don't want the Holy Spirit to move because the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. He will not bring condemnation because we know that condemnation comes from the enemy. So anytime a spirit of condemnation comes and says, oh, now you did it, you've done this, da 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 and starts condemning you for what you've done wrong, that is the enemy. That is a spirit of condemnation that is of the devil. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Lord does not condemn. He convicts. Conviction is a place where he will make you realize your sin to bring you into a place of repentance. 
And a lot of times we do not want the Holy Spirit. Churches do not want the Holy Spirit involved in their services because when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings the presence of God. And I tell you that when the Holy Spirit moves, the first thing people start doing is checking their heart and telling God, I am sorry for the sins that I have done. I repent of them now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings that conviction in order to cleanse us to get us into that throne room to get us farther into that throne room so we'll be that spotless bride yet again. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, look, if I do anything wrong, please convict my heart. Let me know so I can repent and get rid of it. Repentance is turning around. It's, it's a 180 degree turnaround. So if, if you're in, involved in sin, repentance means, look, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn around and walk the opposite direction. You know, the cool thing about God is that he's there even when we slip and fall, when we make a mistake, when we sin, he's there to forgive us of our sins. You know, 1 John 1, 9 is great because it says if we confess our sins, he's just to forgive us of our sins. A lot of times people want to use the hyper grace movement, wants to use 1 John 1, 9 and say, well, that's not for the church, that's for the unbelievers. But when you read the entire chapter of 1 John 1, uh, 1 John 1 it is written for the church. So why would God put one scripture written out of a chapter that's written for the church, take one scripture and make it for the world, for the unbelievers. It is wrong. It is for the church. We are called to repent. We are called to ask God for forgiveness when we sin. We cannot live a, uh, a sinful life and expect to get the full benefits of God. It just does not happen that way. We need to be clean. We need to be cleansed. We need to be in that place of righteousness, going after God even in greater measure. You know, church is not just a, a Sunday service where you go, get may feel good, and then go back to living the life that you were living before. Church is supposed to be in a, an experience with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, that when you walk out of church, you're like, wow, I feel refreshed. I feel ready to go. And and I, I'm not going to do what I've done before. You know, I've cleansed myself. The chains have been broken. You know, we need the, 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 the preaching again of, of righteousness, holiness, repentance. You know, what the gospel really means instead of a, a feel-good message where you walk out just as empty as you were when you walked in. That is not church. That is just an, uh, a motivation service and a drive-through service. We need that time where we walk out with revelation, where we're like, wow, that service was amazing. Or, or you know what, I got out of this service. Or the Holy Spirit convicted me during this service and that I needed to repent for some things that I've been holding on to. It's the time again where we allow the Holy Spirit to move and to do and to be a part of our services again. We can no longer shut the door to the Holy Spirit out. You know, so, like I said, as, as the Lord was, was showing me things, you know, like I was going back to Joel 2. I went off a little bit there, but I'm going back to Joel 2. When we see that uh, later on, when this is going on, you know, Joel calls, calls the church to uh, a time of, uh, sanctification and a, and a fast and and doing all this stuff. Why to get the church, the, the Israel away from living a lifestyle? They were worshiping idols. They were doing all this stuff and and think they were getting ready to be attacked yet yet again. And God's given Joel a strategic uh, a guideline, saying, "Look, I want your people. I need my people to consecrate themselves. I need I need everything to be clean again." And and then we hear that deliverance is promised. Is it starts in chapter uh, verse eighteen. 
It says the Lord will be zealous. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have compassion for his people. You know, right there, the Lord will have zealous for, will be, will be zealous, I'm sorry, will be zealous for his land, for his land, and will have compassion for his people. You know, here in the United States, when our, when our country was established, it was established on biblical principles. Our country was dedicated to the Lord. It was established to the Lord. Even you go back and look at what George Washington even said during the inauguration. He told, when he got done, he told people to go back to their places of worship and to do what? And to pray for this nation. George Washington even said, made a statement that if we were to draw away from this nation to, to um, that he would, for God to bring conviction upon this nation, to bring things upon this nation. So our nation was established on a place of religious freedom, on, us, on God and everything else like that. But we've drawn away from that. We have uh, allowed ourselves to uh, allow the spirit of Molech and the spirit of Baal to come into our nation with the abortion that started happening in 1973, which still goes on today where innocent children, innocent babies are being aborted at higher numbers, you know, like over, I think it's over 6 million now. Um, and it's all, all we're doing is sacrificing to these idols. So we're sinning just like what um, Israel had done. They were sinning. And all of a sudden the enemy started rising up in their land. And God said, you know what, I have to, to get you free of this, you know. So it's time to blow the trumpet and to, to bring the congregation together to, to uh, uh, um, sanctify them again and to, to go after the Lord. Then it says that once they do that, when they go after the Lord, the Lord says, then he will be zealous for his land. Ha uh, And he will have compassion on his people. You know, we're looking for a time of compassion, but that's not all that he says. It says, the Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine and oil. We know that wine and oil, oil is the anointing. Wine is, is a new thing of the Holy Spirit. And you will be satisfied in full with them. So those things that it talks about the Lord will do is he will bring a move of God. He will bring fresh wine and new anointing and oil and, and all this stuff. And I will never make you a disgrace among the nations, it says. And then it talks about how he will remove the enemy far from the land. But then it says down in 21, verse 21, it says, do not fear Land, shout for joy and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. That's what we need to do. In verse 23, it talks about, it says, And so shout for joy, you sons of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has brought down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. This talks a time of harvest a time of, of allowing the crops to grow, to things to grow and to manifest and to bring into harvest and bring into a, a, a fruition, which is great. You know, and then it says that he will compensate, he will repay back the things that the locusts, the stripping locusts, the gnawing locusts, you know, the, the things he'll pay back to you. And then that will be plenty, will be eaten in plenty, but my people will never be put to shame, he says in verse 26. And you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And my people 
will never be put to shame. He says it over and over and over again. Why? Because Israel consecrated themselves. Israel went into a fast. They went into a time where they said, enough, we're, we're tired of living in, in a sinful time. We turn around, we repent, you know, and then all of a sudden the Lord says, look, I will never have them put to shame again. And then we see that the day of the Lord comes after that. Well, actually, the promise of the Spirit, and we see in verse 28, it says, It will come about after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And I believe that we are at a point where uh, our nation, we've seen a turmoil in our nation. We've seen chaos in our nation. We've seen the enemy rising up in our nation to try to disrupt and to, to ruin what God is trying to do in this nation. And you know what? We as the church are needing to blow that trumpet in Zion. We are needing to come together and consecrate ourselves. We are coming to sanctify. We need to sanctify ourselves once again. We need to do things in unity once again. And I fully believe that when we, the body of Christ, begin to sanctify ourselves, begin to wash ourselves, beginning to get rid of the junk that we've allowed entering our churches, that we are going to see a move like we have not seen before. We pray for revival. We want revival in our land. We, we come together. We have these massive prayer meetings. You know, but my thing is, is when we use that scripture, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, if my people who are called by my name, then there's things to do. We'll humble themselves will ask for forgiveness, repent, turn from their wicked ways, which is basically repentance, and pray. Then it says God will heal. There's three things that we have to do. We have to humble ourselves, we have to repent, and we have to pray. A lot of times we get rid of the, the, the we have to, um, a lot of times we go with the prayer and we go with the repentance. But I've heard that, you know, repentance without action is a statement or a prayer. You know, repentance requires action. It requires us to do something, which is like I was saying, turning 180 degrees, going the opposite direction, getting rid of the filth, getting rid of the junk. That is what true repentance is. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of words. But there's something else we have to do. It says humble ourselves. A lot of times now we've allowed pride to get into our churches allowed pride to, to move in our churches through pastors and through the deacons and leadership, the board, whatever. But we cannot allow pride any longer to have any manifestation in our leaders, in our churches, in our pastors, because it only leads the flock away. It leads them astray. When it, the pastor looks at it and says, it is all about me. It is all about how I want to do things. It is my sermons and nobody else's. You know, there's a time where we have to be humble. When hum humility, as far as a leader, there's a lot of people that want to use titles, become a prophet or apostle or all this kind of stuff, but they're, yet they're not willing to humble themselves and be a place where um, uh, they allow others from underneath them to rise up and to, to raise them up and to send them out. That's what an apostle is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be leading the churches, but yet they're also rising up those from within to send them out and to send them to start churches and to set up things. If you are all about you and you are not willing to rise up anybody else from inside the church to send them out, you're not an apostle. 
it's pride. Pride is a, is a downfall in our body of Christ. I, and I cannot mention that enough. It is a downfall. We have to get back to a place of humility where it is not about us. It is about the kingdom of God and what God wants to do. So I just want to end this podcast with, a, with just a, a reminder that we need to get back into that place of humility. We have to get back into the place where the Holy Spirit is free to move in our services because when we allow ourselves to become clean again, to be sanctified again in the Holy Spirit, where we turn away from our wicked ways and start walking righteous again and stop living, letting the worldly aspects you know, live in our lives, we need to, like I said, look at the kingdom and, and walk in the kingdom aspects. We're called ambassadors. You know, an ambassador... Uh, is going is a representative of their nation. Well, we're all a part of the nation of God. We're all part of the kingdom of God. Well, you know what? When we're walking and 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 talking and acting like the people we're supposed to be ministering to, we're not acting like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is is full of love and peace and and all this stuff. And we're supposed to be examples of that. We're supposed to go out and lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We're supposed to help our brothers and sisters in need. We're supposed to help you know, each other and pick each other up and sing psalms and hymns with you know, over each other instead of cursing each other because, oh, that individual, oh, yeah, he got a promotion over me. Well, you know, da, 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 da. You know what? How's that doing any good to the body of Christ when we're acting just like the world? It is a time, my church, for sanctification. It is a time for us to get back into a place of righteousness and holiness once again. And it's not, I'm not being legalistic. I'm being kingdom-minded because kingdom needs us to be righteous. Kingdom needs us to be holy. Kingdom needs us to be the examples of all that God has for us. It is time we shift our mindset. It is time we, we seek God for true forgiveness and not just giving him a bunch of words about repenting, but actually truly repenting, allowing the Holy Spirit to come, wash us clean, uh, to, to sanctify us again, to get us ready so we can go farther and deeper into the Holy of Holies, into the throne room where we can sit at the Father's feet and, and, and just be in His presence even in greater measure because God wants to pour out so bad in this day and time, but He's looking for a body that is willing to sanctify themselves, is willing to give up the worldly mindset and put the kingdom mindset back on. He's looking for those that are, are willing to say, Lord, here I am, use me. Just like in Isaiah, here I am, Lord, use me or send me. You know, it is that time again where we need to pull ourselves away from the world. I'm not saying we don't have to be snobbish, but we need to start acting like the church rather than acting like the world. So God bless. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Please share it and, you know, like it, please. Uh, and, and we thank you for your time. We thank you for listening to us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can send us an email at info at radiantnewlife.com. We're here for you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to stand beside you uh, through your walk in Christ and through your faith and development and everything else. So we'd love to hear from you. Like I said, if you need us to pray with you or if you have a praise report or anything you'd like to share, you can get us at info at radiantnewlife.com. We love you. God bless. 
Have a wonderful and glorious day.